reached that point where you're thinking, I probably should be a grown-up by now, I bet it has come with a bit of a sinking feeling and a list of all the things that you think you probably should know by now, particularly around money and how that impacts on your life. I'm Kristen, expert financial planner, educator and certified financial coach. Every fortnight, my guests and I will discuss how the UK financial system works, what financial products are available, and importantly, how they can fit with your life decisions, connecting you with your own relationship with money. Welcome to the Do I Have to Adult Now podcast. Hello and welcome to today's episode. I'm following on from the episode that I did called Pensions 101. If you haven't listened to that episode, um, you might want to go and have a, a quick listen to that first of all. But in that episode, I introduced the idea of pensions and mentioned a few very specific topics within that. And I did promise you that I would dig a little deeper into each of those. And today is the first, if you like, in that series of information when I'm going to explain auto-enrollment. Now, auto-enrollment is a piece of legislation, if you like, that came into play 2012 um, and was phased in for all employers um, to offer their employees a pension scheme. And for certain employees, they had to be automatically enrolled into a pension. Now, of course, some employers were already offering pension and certainly people like the NHS or the teacher's pension, you know, we had those in place. But as a financial advisor, I had clients who already were very active in the pension scheme market. But what this piece of legislation attempted to do was to say that all people who were an employee should be given a basic level of pension and that their employer must contribute to it. Um, And as I say, this was introduced on a sliding scale with the very largest companies um, effectively having the legislation imposed on them first. In reality, most large employers um, were already contributing to a pension scheme anyway, but it it started to be phased in for smaller employers, as I say. With then uh, a situation that happened around about 2018, where every employer, regardless of size, would have had a pension scheme in place. And then slowly the contributions were uh, were increased. The minimum contribution levels were increased up to 2019. And we've kind of been rolling forward with it ever since. It is, as I said, the requirement of every employer to have in place a pension scheme to which their employees can join. And certain employees, that is, People who are between the ages of 22 and state retirement age who earn more than £10,000 a year must be automatically put into the scheme. So it is the employer's responsibility to make sure that those people, those workers who fall into that bracket must be put into the pension scheme Um. Now, people can opt out. So if you 
were automatically enrolled into a pension scheme, you do not have to stay in the scheme. So you can come out, but your employer's legal responsibility is to enroll you into that scheme and deduct contributions from your earnings and pay them across to their pension provider. Now, there was a number of of companies in the space, uh, in the market for providing these kinds of pensions when they first came out. Um, You had people like the People's Pension that was part of the Building and Civil Engineers Scheme. You had Nest, you had Now, and then you had people like Aviva or Standard Life, um, companies like that. So auto-enrolment pensions could be with a number of different uh, providers. So it would be for each employer of the time to decide which pension provider was offering the right solution for them. Um, But the amount that has to be paid in as a minimum would be the same regardless of who the pension provider was, because that bit is the legislation. I, I guess the the thing that wasn't mandated by the government was who your employer would have to use to to provide. So as it stands at the moment, the total minimum contribution that must be paid if, as I said before, you are between 22 years of age and state retirement age and you earn £10,000 a year or more, The minimum contribution that must be paid between you and your employer is 8% of what we call qualifying earnings. Now, qualifying earnings is different to your full salary because qualifying earnings is a band of earnings between a lower amount of 6240 and an upper amount of 50270 those smart people amongst you will realize that the 50270 is the limit on which income tax changes from being 20% to 40% so when you're talking about calculating this overall 8% contribution, we disregard the first 6,240 and we disregard anything over 50,270. If your employer is only paying the minimum that they are legally obliged to pay. So 8% of that banded earnings has to be paid. Your employer must pay at least 3%. They can pay more. They could pay the whole 8% if they wanted to, but they must pay at least 3%. Now, if they are paying at least 3%, but they're not paying any more than that, the 5% remaining is your responsibility. Now, you get tax relief on your pension contributions And therefore, what you would see is a deduction of earnings at 4% net, with the 1% being the tax relief that gets paid by the government. 
Now realize there's a lot of percentages in here. There's a lot of figures and things like that. So what I will be doing in the show notes is posting some literature where you'll be able to see what are the minimum contributions that have to be paid? What are these earning levels? Um, and then you'll be able to to hopefully see what your personal circumstances are within, um, within those limits and those brackets. But the principle is that a proportion of your income will be paid across as minimum contributions. Now, for me, if your circumstances allow it, you should stay in your scheme if you're automatically enrolled in it, because it is a good way of starting to build up pension savings for the future. But obviously your personal circumstances will come into account. And if you're at all um, unsure whether it is the right thing for you to do, then seek out personal financial advice. And maybe the starting point of that would be the pension scheme um, advisor if your employer has one. Now, I said at the beginning that certain members of staff would be enrolled. So you may be sitting there thinking, well, what if I'm younger than 22? I mean, you might be past state retirement age, in which case, hi, hello, we didn't expect to have people who had already been through life um, with the podcast, but you're very welcome. Um, But if you're less than 22, but you are still um, earning, then you do have a right to ask to join your your employer's pension scheme. So if you were 20 and you're working uh, full-time or even part-time for someone and, and actually you're very forward-thinking, and if you are, bravo, salute you for that, um, and think, actually, I do want to be a member of this scheme, then depending on what you earn will depend on whether your employer has to contribute as well as you or whether you can just join the scheme. Again, go and check out the detail that's in the show notes, the the documentation that's going to be there, that's going to show you like all of this criteria. But the thing to remember is, is that if you're working for somebody, you have this right to the pension and it works in the same way as any personal pension. And if you've listened to other episodes where I've described how personal pensions work, the money is taken in, it is invested on your behalf, the tax relief is added, and hopefully it grows in value to give set benefits at the end. That's how an auto-enrolment pension works. So it isn't based on how many years have you been with your employer and what was your salary when when you left them, um, as it would be if you were with the NHS, for example. It is purely based on how much money have I put into this scheme and how much is it going to be worth at the end. Now then, the reason or some of the reasons that the government brought in auto-enrolment legislation was to encourage people to have their own pensions. Um, But also, I guess, to avoid some of the pension scheme lottery that was around, which was some employers offered pension schemes, some employers didn't. Um, I was reading something the other day that said, like, now, if you are in your 20s, the chances are by the time you finish um, your career, you at state retirement age, you're probably going to have had at least 10 employers. That's a very different situation 
to the one that, that, for example, my parents' generation would have had, where maybe you would have had one or two employers and that would have been it. So you can think that going through your working life, if you have jobs in, in the UK, you may well end up with two or three, four, five different pension schemes. And that's okay. It's all right to have more than one. But the auto-enrolment legislation also allows for no barriers to joining a pension scheme or no barriers then to transferring them somewhere else. It is supposed to make the whole process of being in pension schemes and changing employers um, relatively straightforward and still maintaining an employer's pension contribution, even if you swap um, you swap employers. So it could be that you end up with, with a, new, a number of auto-enrolment pension schemes, and that's okay. And you don't necessarily have to put them all together as you're going along. Again, take advice over what is best for you. Um, But just make sure that you maintain contact with the company involved. So always have a list of what is my policy number, who is the provider that I have got, and let them know if you move house. Um, One of the things I find as a financial advisor is people do come to me as they're approaching their retirement years and say, oh, you know, I had this employer, I was there for five or six years. Um, you know, I can't remember who the name of the pension provider was, but I definitely remember having the contributions deducted. And, you know, bit of detective work. I try my best to track them down. But the more pensions that you have, the easier you will find the administration of them if you know who the provider is. So is it Nest? Is it the people's pension? Is it standard life, whoever? And what is your policy number? And as I said, as long as they've still got your contact details correct, um, then, then they'll be able to find you. And very often, a lot of these companies will allow you to register for online access in a very similar way as you would do for um, things like your online banking. So, Auto-enrolment pensions tend to um, offer a very simple kind of personal pension. There doesn't tend to be um, a huge amount of choice in terms of where the money is invested. And in fact, part of the principle of automatic enrolment is that a decision will have been taken by your employer, maybe in conjunction with a financial advisor, um, to automatically invest your funds in a, in what we would call a default investment fund. And often it is a default investment strategy. So the amount of money that is invested, for example, in the stock market or in the UK or abroad is, is decided upon in view of your age and how far you are from retirement. Now, that is not to say that you have no choice, because oftentimes there is a choice. And um, certainly, even if the choice is between 
low, medium and high risk, then there might be an ethical fund. Oftentimes we find that there is a fund available to invest in which complies with Sharia law. Um, So you tend to have a choice of where the money is invested, but you would need to be active in making that decision. So the default is likely to go on at, you know, a reasonably cautious tangent and and will be dependent upon your age. Um, But that's not necessarily always the case. So you should take the time to read the documentation that comes through, understand where the money is being invested. And if you would like for it to be different, then get in touch with the company or with your employer's pension advisor to make that decision um, to change. Your own financial advisor, if you have one, will also be able to guide you on that kind of thing. Um, It's a fairly short amount of information um, on auto-enrolment because, as I said, a lot of it will come down to how old are you, how much am I earning, am I going to be automatically put in the scheme and can I opt out? Just on the the issue of opting out, um, so, so yes, you can opt out, which means that you would need to inform the pension company that you do not wish to be an active member of the pension scheme and they give you a certain amount of time in which to do that. And in that case, um, you wouldn't be a member of the scheme and if you'd paid a contribution like in the interim time, they generally refund it to you. If you miss that cutoff date and let's say six months down the line, you think I'm going to opt out, technically it's not called opting out. You're just leaving the scheme. At that point, you do not get a refund of contributions. This is a question that I get asked quite a lot by members of the group schemes that I run. You can stop contributing to your employer's Um, auto-enrolment pension scheme if you want to. 99.9% of the time, if you do that, your employer is not likely to carry on their contributions. So you will be losing money because that 3% or whatever percentage your employer has agreed to pay in general is only if you remain an, an active member of the scheme. So if you stop contributing, more often than not, so will your employer. Now, if you stop contributing after the time of being able to opt out has expired, so as I said, like six months later or 12 months later, you can't get a refund of those contributions. That money stays within the pension until either you recommence contributions you transfer the pension somewhere else, you finally take the benefits or you die. Okay, so so be aware of that, that um, although this is saving for the future, this isn't saving for the future, but if I change my mind and I want to go to Ibiza, I can just have the money. It isn't that. Um, it really is a long-term commitment with this money going into the pension. Now, you may be, as I say, really forward thinking and think, yeah, pensions are for me. And you may feel that the 4% net contribution is not enough. Maybe you would like to contribute more than that, in which case you can do. 
And I would suggest that the way that you would organise that for an auto-enrolment scheme is probably to speak with your employer's payroll department or their scheme administrator, if you know who they are and they're fairly, um, you know, proactive in, in coming into your workplace. You can contribute up to 100% of your salary, including your employer's contribution. Now, there aren't many people who do that. Granted, there isn't many people who do that, but the opportunity is there for you to pay more than the minimum if you would like to. Now, what I've told you here is just about auto-enrolment pension schemes. Your employer may offer a group personal pension or they may offer an auto-enrolment scheme where they use part of the legislation which says that they will make a contribution based on 100% of your salary. So that's everything that you earn. Might even include overtime and bonuses, in which case that 6,000 200 and odd pounds that I said we disregard, that actually might be included for you and your employer. So again, look at the information that we give in the show notes to really work it out. But do understand there's going to be minimums that are the legal requirement of your employer. And then there's going to be rules that are specific to your employer, which may be more generous than that which is great, you know, fantastic. And one of the things that I always encourage people to think about is, especially if you're looking to change jobs, is have a look at what the pension benefits are, because these aren't things that you necessarily see straight away. Um, You know, and certainly if you are in your early 20s, you know, you could be talking that like this is, you know, 35, 40 years away. But the benefit of contributing into a personal pension scheme or auto-enrolment scheme in your early 20s and being consistent in that paying in every month for every job that you have makes a world of difference when it comes to retirement. I I cannot underestimate that um, for you. So, So really understand what benefits am I being offered as part of my package? Um, And if you're comparing like for like with jobs, like don't just look at the salary. Also have a look at the benefits that might be available with things like pension. And if you've got an employer that's offering the basic auto-enrollment scheme, but you've maybe got an, an alternative employer offering you a full group personal pension with a 5% contribution based on 100% of your salary, that's going to be more generous than than the employer that's offering the bare minimum under auto-enrollment. So don't think of it as, oh, well, they've both offered pension. We need to kind of look under the bonnet a little bit, um, as lovely Jonathan Waterhouse would say, if you've listened to the um, house buying episode. But we need to kind of get under the bonnet and say, well, yes, I'm being offered a pension by both, what kinds of pension is it? 
And what are those contributions based on? And again, if you're working um, for somebody and you've got a basic salary and then you've maybe got, um, you know, commissions or you've got bonus or you've got overtime, are you going to get pension contribution based on those or are you going to get pension contribution based only on your um, basic salary? So again, it's it's not enough to say, yeah, employer sal- um, salary and pension. We've got to think, well, actually, what does that pension mean? What does it look like for me as an individual? I hope that's helped to explain auto-enrolment, as I say, together with the, the information that we're going to give. I will come back next time to talk about another part of pensions when we're going to maybe cover off using a pension to buy commercial property and something called a SIP. Thank you for listening. I hope you have enjoyed the episode. If you have, please subscribe, please leave us a review and please share the podcast with your community. I hope that what you have heard in the podcast is helpful to you. However, it is not personal financial advice. My guests and I cannot be responsible for your financial decisions. If you do wish to take personal financial advice or you have any other questions for us, please contact me through the contact details in the show notes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. And yes, you probably do have to adult now. Oh,